Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. We're going to have a great show. Beth Reynolds from the Iowa Beef Center is going to be here and we're going to talk about feeding your cows talk about supplements, we're going to talk about grass, we're going to talk about general cow nutrition. Thanks for watching. We'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson and with me is Beth Reynolds. She's a program specialist for the Iowa Beef Center. She's a wealth of knowledge, a great colleague, and, and we are lucky to track her down and have her be here on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, we're going to talk about cow nutrition and i'm gonna i'm gonna do what what i probably would do anyway is like hey what should i feed my cows right that that get that question yep. Yep. and that's a that's a pretty general question but um pretty general question but people come in there and they'll say hey doc what should i feed my cows or what should i vaccinate with yep. or whatever but for you and your expertise what would be your next question well, first question is what's their base forage or feed stuff that they're on i mean where are you located and what's available to you is pr pretty much the primary question you got to figure out before you can start coming up with any type of a ration to go along with their diet or supplement with whatever forage they're on. Yeah, so so we got to define acres, forage availability, animal unit type things. Kind of, not necessarily. I mean, okay. for the most part, when we... It's great to have all that information. A lot of times we don't necessarily uh, stocking great in animal units. Um, the best is when you can talk in animal units, but re registering that an animal unit isn't one cow or one pair, that it's a thousand pound animal, and that needs to be adjusted appropriately. Um, kind of where you're at regionally kind of varies in what the standard language is, but that is the best measure. But and when somebody comes and asks what do i need to be feeding my cows or how do i need to supplement them biggest thing is like what are they on so are you do you have corn stalks available baled grazed are they on some summer pasture and then you start working into okay what's the limiting factor i mean how how long do you think you'll have grass um where that can be the primary feed or are you trying to stretch it if it's a anticipated drought here corn stalks how long have they been out there? Are they needing to have a little extra supplement on there because they've already been on that corn stock field for 30 days and are running out of the goody a little bit. But. Yep. So beyond the what I have in the field, then I'm assuming the other questions would be surrounding the, the critters, the cows. Yeah, well, very good point. You're saying feeding the cows, I'm assuming this time of year, a late gestation animal, but uh, really need to clarify what stage of production are they in, what's their expected empty body weight, or meaning are they, a lot of people say 1,200 pound cows, in reality a 1,400 pound cow is easily the standard, if not more than that, especially in the Midwest, uh, but when are they expected to calve, what's expected of that cow and her performance measures going forward, so yeah makes a big difference well it used to be at least at least we're getting to expand that now we have 1200 pound cows because it was always everybody had a thousand pound cow well yeah, <laughs> until the... you weighed them right yeah <laughs> and and so 
I, I think you're right. So, so anything else besides, you know, defining the cows, their weight, their stage of production or, or the what's available? Also what uh, supplement options are going to be available for you sure. is, do you have whole corn in the bin? Great. Are you going to be going to a co-op really close to an ethanol plant? That'll make a big difference in what feed stuff is going to fill your limiting nutrient the most economically. Perfect. So what's in the field? What can you get to supplement and what are your cows? When we come back, we'll talk about when we get some of those answers uh, and some of the recommendations. You're watching Doc Talk. Thanks for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Beth Reynolds, who is the program specialist for the Iowa Beef Center, who specializes in cattle production and ruminant nutrition. Um, we're here at Iowa State University filming it in Kildee Hall, Department of Animal Science. And when we left, we kind of set this up. And so let's talk, let's talk about different answers you get on, okay, they're in the field. So let's say the, the first answer is they're, they're going to be turned out on grass pasture this summer, um, but it's, we're going to have short grass. So what are some things that would you, you would start to, to think about? Okay, well, and and it's a spring calving herd, so they're calves on the side. Okay, so when we start talking summer pasture or spring turnout, a yep. lot um, definitely varies uh, across regions, right? But in Iowa and Missouri and a lot of this Midwestern area, we have a really big spring flush with our forage where there's really rapid growth right away, and then it tapers off. We have our summer slump because they're all cool season or the cool season base anyways in our perennial pastures and then uh in the fall we'll get a little bit of a growth but not near what our spring flush is but the biggest thing we talk about spring turnout is making sure you're turning out when there's enough grass left otherwise just sheer intake is going to be the limiting factor there's a lot of discussion in various articles out there on well you got to give them those those are just lush wet pastures you got to give them something dry to chew on and um, in reality, the biggest limiting factor when it's that high moisture content is just the grass isn't as nutrient dense packed as it is otherwise. So it's not really that they can't handle all that water. Cows drink a lot of water yeah. every day. The water isn't limiting. It's just sheer intake. And a lot of that is driven by height and bite size and how many bites can she eat per day. Um, so if you're spring turnout, if you're talking about supplement needs, the best I mean, for your pasture health is to delay turnout if you can. Um, keep them on your winter feed source until there is adequate growth. Get six inches plus. Um, and then typically you're playing catch up trying to hit the spring flush, but you're not limiting those cows on uh, their feed intake. Right. Um, and really our prime pasture is that early, well, mid-spring, early summer pasture. And Honestly, if your cows have to be supplemented at that point in time, even though it's peak requirements, hitting uh, peak lactation and stuff, that's, uh, that's our best feed available. So if you're having to supplement, you might want to question whether your cows fit the environment very well, but that's a whole other topic, right? But that would be more like protein energy. We, we would still have vitamins, minerals, or... Yes. To, yep. to so that's put out... Most yeah, definitely getting to protein energy um, requirements. When we're talking about supplementation, their main supplement they need 
year-round, but especially in the spring pasture, is a good mineral program. When you're getting that early turnout lush forages, those forages are really high in potassium, which is antagonistic for magnesium in the um, gut. And so that's why we talk about high mag mineral and why it's necessary. Not because there's not very much magnesium in the plant, it's there, but it's because the high potassium ties that up. And then um, even if you have magnesium in your supplement, there's not enough there to really be absorbed because it's tied and passes through the animal rather than entering the bloodstream. So high mag mineral in spring um, is definitely our supplement emphasis. And then as you get into summer, you can get go back and out of that seasonal mineral and get to some of your more base mineral packages. Uh, or if you have a breeder's pack you want to use or something like that is an option as well. Perfect. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, what's in the field and what's available with Beth Reynolds. We're here at Iowa State. You're watching Doc Talk. Thanks for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Beth Reynolds. She is a program specialist for the Iowa Beef Center covering the entire state of Iowa and beyond. She's a wealth of knowledge on cow-calf nutrition and production and management and uh, is somebody that really gets out and works with our industry and we're very thankful for what you do. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about summer slump then because we, we got the spring and we got them supplemented. We've talked about vitamin mineral. What, what do we need to be looking for or, or thinking about in, during that time? Okay, so summer slump, talking supplement options is kind of our emphasis. Again, make sure they still have consistent access to their mineral. Most mineral programs, uh, consistency is key. If you have it out there all the time, they're not going to gorge themselves and go through it as fast as if you're really consistent with it, monitoring salt intake, all that yep. um, good stuff. But uh, other supplement considerations for the summer slump. So this is when our production drops. Um, typically, we're past that peak lactation time frame in our highest peak requirements, but it kind of depends on what your pasture options are and how you've managed that pasture throughout. So if you've been pretty intensely rotationally grazing and have that still in fairly vegetative, even though you don't have as much growth, you can get by with less. But if you are really taking a hit summer slump in terms of production, one of our primary grasses in this area, even as you get farther north, is still fescue. If you think summer slump, a lot of that is driven by heat suppressing those cool season grasses growth, but the heat is also uh, fescue toxicity essentially works as a type of heat stress right yep. um, and so you're having that combination effect and so a lot of our emphasis on some of supplement options uh, if you're trying to stretch pasture is to try to get a little bit of an energy supplement because that's had some benefits shown with fescue toxicity whether that's a uh, displacing just some of the diet and also just improving some rumen function as well well and, and we can feed cattle you know, feeder cattle, they come in off of fescue pastures, they're heat intolerant, but as we feed them grain, um, they come out of that heat intolerance. And so there's probably some physiology there as well. Definitely. Just decreasing the amount of endophyte infested yeah. fescue that they take yeah. in. Basically, a lot of dilution is the solution type of yeah. <laughs> And mowing. On that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's depending on how your grazing management is gone. If you have a lot of seed heads out there you might be better off just go taking a mower and clipping that 
seed head. I know it takes a lot of fuel and equipment in order to go mow pasture and some isn't accessible, but uh, controlling that endophyte really has some performance implications, especially for those cows that bred fairly early, maybe not the earliest in the breeding season. If they hit that heat stress period, they're pretty prone to sloughing that calf. Early abortions with fescue toxicity are something so, to consider. So when you talk about supplementing them some energy, what are some of the common? Well, in Iowa, corn is king, right? So uh, that's definitely an effective supplement option. Um, the one thing to consider with corn is it is starch-based. So as you increase your levels of corn, um, you'll be, there are some, if you get to reach a point, you'll be reducing fiber digestibility, and then they're not getting as much out of the forage as they are if you would have switched to digestible fiber or something like that. And um, so some of those would be like soy holes or distillers, distillers. Grains, yeah. uh, gluten, um, but you could definitely can effectively use corn. Uh, if you're going to be running this time of year, you probably have a solid idea if you're going to be pretty short grass or if you um, are getting to whatever your target end date, whether that's Thanksgiving, you want to bring them home or whatever. The supplementation level and whether it's a starch or a fiber-based supplement will make a difference on whether it displaces any of their forage intake. A fiber is more effective at doing that than a starch. Um, and then also considering it's a lot more convenient to do like every other day or every third day supplementation, but if like forage intake, if you're supplementing so that they don't go through the pasture as fast, uh, every other day supplementation will not displace forage intake, right. like a daily supplement um, potentially can, depending on how much is fed. Great. So if you're just doing it for, for performance and, and uh, body condition, you can do the every other day, but if you're doing it to keep them out of the fescue as much and, and prevent some of that, uh, limit some of the forage intake, you got to do them every day. Yeah, pretty much. Energy versus protein, how well they respond will vary. They do a little better every other day with protein supplementation. But it, in general, correct. Forage intake every other day, don't do. Perfect. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll move into the last uh, quarter or third of the year uh, talking supplementations with Beth Reynolds. Thanks for watching. Welcome back to Doc Talk. We're here at Iowa State University where I'm here with Beth Reynolds. She is a program specialist for the Iowa Beef Center. And if you haven't seen the Iowa Beef Center's website, you should go to it. It's incredible wealth of knowledge. And this is somebody that's put a lot of content into it, uh, as well as answering questions around our state on cow-calf nutrition production and different things uh, to that. But we've talked about spring and the high mag uh, supplementation because of, of it getting uh, tied up. We've talked about summer slump and our grass going down, extending uh, grass, um, you know, and, and different ways to supplement with every day versus every other day, depending on what your goal is of why you're supplementing. Um, but now we get to the point in time, at least around here, where we, <laughs> we're starting, we don't have grass. Yeah. And now we're not we're supplementing, you're feeding. <laughs> yeah, we're feeding now. So let's let's talk about about feeding cows in the the winter, the yeah. fall and winter. Okay, so I mean we can touch on fall pretty quick. I mean, weaning time frame, get calves weaned, and then your cows are at their lowest requirements they'll ever have in their production cycle. Right. So that's they're pretty easy to feed and maintain at that point in time. However, one thing really to pay attention to is make sure that weaning time frame you get a good 
idea of your herd body condition score because if you're going to put weight on a cow for calving or leading up to the breeding season because you still want her to breed back next year this is your time to do it if she's post calving trying to put weight on a cow um, is really hard and yep. really expensive i guess and, and NRC, you can do it but it's expensive the nrc has defined you know we used to guess but seven percent of the cow's body weight 7.7 percent is roughly a body condition score so if they weigh a thousand pounds it's it's 77 pounds yep. if it's you know if they weigh more then take it times 7.7 percent yep good explanation but <laughs> yeah we say ideal body condition score is a five they perform still really well if you get to a six um, so you could argue that it's a bit better higher but remember higher body condition score is more expensive to feed so there's yep. um, trade-offs and, and in general we try to target body condition score to be a five or above at calving because it's really correlated with um, colostrum quality how long it takes the cow to stand and calf to stand uh, and most well I guess they're all important but uh, really important and it's also her likelihood to breed back the in the breeding season and how early in the breeding season she'll breed back and the other component of that is trying to get from calving to breeding even though that's going to be your peak requirements and it's hard to feed above her requirements necessarily but still have a positive plan of nutrition where she's making progress on that yeah because the but, third just trimester and lactation is just so demanding yes, energetic very much it's it's okay if your cows lose a little weight because it's just hard to feed them, but understand that that's the only time you want them to ever experience any of that. And if you can maintain it where you don't visually notice, that's even better. But that fall time frame, best time to add weight to those cattle. And then we get into winter and tend to do more rations or even if it's just hay that you're feeding them, but something to really pay attention to along with just weight. Again, bring up mineral nutrition, um, all of the calf, calves minerals are accumulated either in the liver at this point in time or well the majority at this point in time or it's through her milk especially through that colostrum mineral nutrition is important in that aspect and when we get into this winter feeding period um, a lot of us have feeds available like corn stalks distillers corn silage especially that um, can have some they're considered highly antagonistic feedstuffs meaning they have like for corn silage if you have some dirt contamination in there when you put it up in siling process that iron's more available and is that iron is antagonistic to like uh, the calcium and uh, like copper. manganese yeah. sulfur to there's antagonistic relationships with those minerals in the diet so even if you're feeding a mineral feeding them enough mineral if you're feeding feeds that are antagonistic you need to take into account what those relationships are and if you need to boost certain minerals in that time frame to account for that but making sure she has enough in her um her diet because she's setting the calf up for that early health period too because it's not that calf's not going to be getting any minerals from anything other than what she puts in at that gestation time frame and then from it's from her milk but those and that a lot of her milk supply is those macro minerals or like calcium magnesium um, and that earlier time frame it gets to some of those micro minerals so um, mineral is a whole can of worms but um, in terms of feeding the cow late gestation is probably your most critical time to make sure you're meeting her requirements for Perfect. mineral.
Well, great information and, uh, you know, great knowledge base here. Go check out the Iowa Beef Center website uh, here at Iowa State University. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for watching. Uh, Remember, always work with your local veterinarian and nutritionist. Uh, If you want to know more about what we do at DocTalk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson here with Beth Reynolds, and we'll see you down the road. Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals.